The whole point of what we hear is to do something. Who my stuff? My stuff, it's gone. I want to read you something here, okay? I'll tell you, the disappearing act here. Let me read you a verse. It's from the Living Bible. It's so, excuse me, from the Amplified. It says this. This is a verse I carry with me all the time. I think about it all the time. And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. You understand that? The measure of thought that you give to the truth you hear will be the direct proportion of what comes back in your life. A lot of times I talk to people all the time and, and one of the constant things I hear from people is, I just wish my life had changed. I just wish my life had changed. I just wish my life had changed. And I say, you really? You really wish your life would change? You're not feeding me a line. You're not just making it say, you really aren't trying to impress me, are you? No, I really want my life to change. So then how much thought and study are you giving to what you hear? I have people constantly say things to me like, uh, not constantly, but from time to time, say, oh, Mark, you know, Sunday morning's just so, so simple, simplistic. And I say, really, it's simplistic. Yeah, I want more Bible teaching. Really, you want more Bible teaching. So let me ask you a question. Are you doing everything I said Sunday morning? Is it in your life? Have you nailed it down? Are you doing it? Well, I, I said, well, you do it, and then we'll get to the meat. See, the meat is doing what you hear. The meat is doing what we're taught. The meat is listening to the Word of God. Tonight I want to talk about something that's very, very important, and it will set you up, really, for tomorrow night, for the series tomorrow night. It will be incomplete without the celebration series. So you need to consider going to celebration, alright? So let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, for the great things that You long to do in our lives. And we ask You tonight, Lord, that our hearts would be attentive to Your Word. We ask You, Lord, that tonight what would be on our heart is not the guy or girl next to us, not the busyness of the day, but God, what would be on our heart is a desire to hear from God, a desire to be taught, a desire for truth, a hunger for the things of God. Lord, the world is full of Christians who could care less about the things of God. The Lord is full of people. The world is full of people. Churches are full of people who are playing games with God who are playing the church game. And I'm not interested in the church game, Lord. I'm interested in making kingdom history. I'm interested, Lord, as these men and women are, in accomplishing something for God. But tonight, Lord, we ask You that You'd open our hearts and minds to what we're going to discuss tonight. If we miss this, Lord, I, I, I'm really afraid that nothing will ever be really accomplished in our lives or through our lives. So we ask You, Lord, to open our heart. We ask You, Lord, to give us a, a mindset that's serious, it's easy, Lord, to go through our life goofing around. It's easy to go through our life messing around, playing games. That's just sometimes life. Help us now, Lord, to take 30, 40 minutes of our time and be very serious with it and be sober-minded and be alert and ready for what You want to say to us. Lord, speak tonight to each individual. Speak to me and change our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'd like you to turn to Acts, if you would. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> Something I've been thinking about the last few days. Um, Acts, I've been thinking about it a long time. I just felt like this was an appropriate time to verbalize it. Acts chapter 13. And verse <clears throat> 38. Well, let's start with verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep 
He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Him, everyone who believes is freed from everything you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffer, wonder and perish, for I am doing something in your day that you would never believe even if someone told you. I want to ask yourself for a moment, I want you to ask yourself a serious question. Are you a scoffer? Are you a scoffer? Now you may think, well, I'm not a scoffer. I believe this message. I want to talk to you. I want to use this as an illustration. I want to talk to you about something tonight that um, will make or break your life. It will make or break your life. If you put this in the context of circumstances, what's happening here? The Jews had a system of beliefs. The Jews had the law. The Jews had Moses. The Jews had heard from God. But something very interesting is happening here. God is speaking to the Jews in a brand new way about something brand new. Something that was not in their way of thinking. It defied their logic. It defied their traditions. It defied their belief system. And what happened as a result is Paul says to them, take heed, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for God's doing something in your day and even if someone told you, you wouldn't believe it. Why wouldn't they believe it? That's the question. Well, we have all of our theological reasons. Well, Mark, the prince of darkness has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. There is none so blind as those who will not see. What was happening here was these individuals, like many Christians, had their set way of thinking and nothing was going to change that. They had their little traditions. They had their little systems of beliefs. And they became incapacitated for anything greater than what they had already experienced. Now, you ask yourself again, am I a scoffer? Are you an innovative thinker? Do you even believe the things God says about you in the Bible are true? Or are you stuck in your set belief system that you've had ever since you've been a Christian? I want to share something in Isaiah 43:18. I've shared this verse with you hundreds of times. Now I'm going to share with you it again. Isaiah 43, 18. It says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Okay. Usually we take this verse, and rightly so, and we apply it to the bad things in our life. Okay. At least we try. I know many people who don't even apply it. But God's desire is that we forget the former things and we don't dwell on the past. But you know what one of the most crippling things is in our life? It's not only the bad, but it's the good things. It's the successes. It's the ways we used to do things that worked. And we have tunnel vision and we can no longer see beyond it. And what is God saying? He's saying, look, I want to do a new thing. How long, brother and sister, how long has it been since you experienced a new thing with God? How long has it been since something fresh, vibrant happened with your life? Since you've been reading the Word of God and God 
freshly spoke to you because with a fresh and open mind, you said, God, speak to me in a new way. I know many Christians, many men and women who live their entire Christian life and all they know is Jesus died for a wretch like me. And that's all the farther their life ever goes. I want to tell you a little story that illustrates how important it is that you learn to adapt your systems of belief, that you learn to embrace and love change. I want to tell you something. Change is not an enemy. I love change. I love it. It never bothers me. It got, well, I should say that. There are certain changes in my life that have stressed me. But I look forward to change because I know a change always comes growth. But I want to tell you a little story. In 1968, the largest maker of watches in the world was, does anyone know? No. The Swiss. The Swiss. The Swiss. What country? The largest maker of watches in the world was the Swiss. They owned 78% of the market and they had 80% of all the profits. 80%. One day, and in Switzerland, they employed, now get this, 65,000 watchmakers. One day, a couple men in the research and development department in Switzerland came to the corporate office with what they considered an amazing discovery. And it's what you have on your wrist. What I have on my wrist. It's called liquid crystal. It's called a quartz watch. So they brought it up to the corporate heads. These guys who were top, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And they said, we've got an amazing discovery. And they showed it to these guys. And they laughed. They laughed. They said, it's got no bearings. It's got no mainspring. It's a joke. Not only did they laugh, not only was their ignorance that far, but they went as far as they didn't even protect the idea. So these two men took their idea to the World Trade Show in 1969. The Japanese walked by it, and Texas Instruments walked by it. They bought it on the spot. Today, the Swiss own 10% of the watch market. They laid off 50,000 workers, and the Japanese own and dominate the watch market. You know why? Because the Japanese know how to change. Because there's innovators, there's futurists in Japan. And as a Christian, God needs innovators. God needs men and women who will look at the times and change with the times. I spent four hours this afternoon with a pastor. It was a heartbreaking experience. Of a church in the Twin Cities. He's been coming the last couple weeks. He's wanted to see what we were doing. And, and the whole time we spent, he said, Mark, how are you doing what you're doing? I want to know what you're doing. I want to know how you're doing it. I, I want to do it. Well, he said, I want to try to do it. He said, but I'll tell you, I'm really meeting with some heavy resistance. So I listened to his story, and it was heartbreaking. Here's a man in the ministry. He's been in the ministry for years, and he really sees a vision for what God wants to do, something new, something out of the ordinary, something exciting, something that will really reach people. You know, I get really sick of hearing that America is unreachable. That is a lie from hell. That is the cop-out of the Christian theologians who are stuck 
in the mud with their heads in some stinking theological book and they don't have their head in the wind and they don't have their head in the book and a hunger heart, a hungry heart for God to do whatever God wants them to do. This, this country is ripe to be reached. It just takes men and women who are committed to a new way of doing things. You see, you can't put new wine in an old skin. You have to put new wine in a new skin. And he went on and told me, story after story, he said, man, he said, I've tried series like you've done, and afterwards I get so criticized, people level me, they tell me I'm a heretic. He said, man, they want, you know, the, the soloists get up and stand and their eyes glued to the music. I ask them to change it. Oh, this is the way we were trained. This is the way it's supposed to be done. He said, they, got, they want their pipe organ. They want their choir robes. He said, man, we want meat. And I went home and wept as I felt for this man and the tremendous frustration and struggle. And my only advice to him was, brother, I said, I really can't tell you what to do, but I'll tell you what I'd do if I was in your shoes. I'd resign. No way I'd live my life. i got one life to live for God and I'd live it for Him. And I'd leave the congregation. If they don't want to follow God and if you've tried everything you can try, then it's time to say, Lord be with you, go in peace, and I'm moving out for God. And I want to ask you in your life, how many times, how many times have you not experienced change, dynamic change in your life because you refused to give up your belief systems? How many times have you wanted to experience the forgiveness of God, you simply refused to believe? Well, God says that that's all that matters. I'm going to enjoy it. What does it say here in Acts? What is the good news of Christ that everything we couldn't be freed from by the law, by legalism, we're freed from now? Are you enjoying your freedom? You know, when was the last time you felt free? You're enjoying your freedom. God wants to change your life. I'm going to tell you a little secret. He cannot change it until you willingly change your belief system. Until you change the way you believe. Until you allow yourself to... Uh, you know, I'll tell you a little secret. I People often ask me, well, Mark, you know, what does this church believe? Well, i got to be frank with you. There's about four things I believe for sure. Uh, well, there's more. I believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures and the, the second coming of Christ and the resurrection and the virgin birth and I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven and I believe there's one Lord, one God, one baptism and... Um, there might be a few others if I really thought hard, but I'll be real frank with you. My belief system is constantly changing. My belief system is ever expanding. I want to read a proverb to you out of the living Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 18. If you look at Proverbs chapter... Well, you don't have to look because it won't say this in your Proverbs. It's This is out of the living version. Proverbs 18 and verse 15. It says this. <clears throat> the intelligent person... Is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. <clears throat> he looks for them. I am always looking for new ways, more effective ways, more dynamic ways of doing what we do, of doing and how we do things. I think Evergreen is a testimony of that. What we do at Evergreen is unlike any church I know of in this area, although I know there's others who are similar to it. And it's a huge risk, let me tell you. But you know there's great dividends when we change. That is, many people are responding to the gospel of Christ. And many people begin to see what's happening and wonder, how could I do the same thing? You see, we must have an innovative spirit with God. If you want to grow in a vibrant relationship with God, then you must have in your own life a hunger and a desire for the new things of God because believe me, He's got them. I mean, you know, just this last week, I'm reading in the Word and God hits me with a thought 
that I have read over hundreds of times. I just kind of passed over it. This week, it hit me. You know, and I'm kind of stubborn. I got a stubborn heart. I got a stubborn mind. So that God had hit me and grabbed my attention. And wow, and then I started to delve into it more. And wow, did I get pumped. You know, and you see, God, we've got the most dynamic, wonderful thing in the world. And our whole life is really a discovery of it. We just get so content sometimes. You think, well, praise God, I, I know Jesus. He's my Savior. I'm going to heaven. And, you know, we ask for some testimonies tonight. You know what? It's like, well, a lot of people wouldn't even get them to stand up because they're just so nervous. But, you know, something about enthusiasm that overcomes nervousness. See? When there's something dynamic going on in your life, when there's something exciting going on in your life. I was with a man this afternoon, another gentleman I had lunch with who has uh, really become a very, very dear, dear friend. And uh, he came to know the Lord about six weeks ago. And um, I went over today to his business, see his business. And we had lunch at Mama D's in St. Paul. And we're sitting at the table talking. And we just kind of, I can, we can barely stay still. We're each sitting there on our seats. He is so vibrant about Christ. And of course, that's kind of typical often of a new Christian. But you know, Mark, I'm just making all these new discoveries. You know, as I read my Bible, whenever I go to the bathroom, I grab my Bible. When I'm home, or all, when the kids are asleep, when my wife's asleep, I turn on the stereo, I sit down with my Bible. It's so fresh, it's so exciting. You know, and I just want to share it with my friends. And yet the wisdom, I'm amazed at the wisdom he has in his young, newfound life. But we get old, don't we? We get rigor mortis. We get paralyzed in our belief systems. And we're no longer willing to break out and go, what does the Bible really mean? What does God really say? I mean, okay, so I'm justified and righteous. What does that really mean? Well, you come and celebrate, you'll find out what it really means. What does it really mean? What does God really mean by what He says? Are you willing to change your belief system? And some of us in this room were convinced we're worthless, we're ugly, we're, we're just nothing. Well, you know, I feel for you. I pity you. Because you don't have to think that way. You don't have to adopt that mentality to life. God's done everything He can to change that. Except for you must be willing to change your belief system. You can spend the rest of your life in the dregs if you want. You can spend the rest of your life depressed, unhappy, living a miserable Christian life. Or you can have the most dynamic, fantastic life you ever dreamed possible. That's what God came to give us. And I didn't say trial free. Don't everybody ever say, oh, Mark, he's just dynamic, wonderful. And what he's saying is, you never have any problems. Man, I got all kinds of problems. Problems are a fact of life. You see? But we can embrace them with the new belief system, can't we? Well, isn't that what the goodness of God is all about? Takes the problem and it's good. Well, I'm so weak and miserable. Oh, really? God loves weakness. God blesses weakness. Well, change that belief system. See, every belief system we think is bad, God makes good. Every single one of them. And you have to ask yourself, would I change? Another story I just found out the other day. There was a man, his name's something Carlson. I don't remember his first name. And um, he was an inventor, an innovator. And uh, one day he went to the researchers of his company and he had this little box. And I wish I had one here to show you. And he had this little uh, kind of reflective plate, you know, that you kind of see yourself in the mirror. It was like reflective. So he took this magic marker and he, I think it was this wax paper something he wrote. And I can't remember exactly. I just saw this the other night. He wrote this wax paper, and then he shined a bright light on this metal plate, and then, uh, then he and, and he put the plate, then he put the plate over this little piece of wax paper with a magic felt tip marker on it, 
And then uh, he sprinkled gunpowder on the plate. And lo and behold, the words from the wax paper were on this plate. Well, he showed it to the company he worked for and they laughed at him. In fact, he went to IBM. He went to he went to big places and showed it to him. They laughed at him. So he decided to make his own and he's the owner of Xerox. Then he's a millionaire. Millionaire! What, what, what place is there without a copy machine? Everybody's got them. But everybody laughed at him. Everybody. You know, Galileo, when he, be he believed that the, uh, the earth revolved around the sun and not the sun around the earth. And he was devising, he went up this tower in Venice and he had this telescope, he was making this telescope and he could prove it. Do you know that after he took the leaders of the nation up to prove it to him, they ordered him to be tortured to either recant or face torture? You know what that illustrates, brother and sister? That illustrates how proud we are of some of the stupidest things. It illustrates how proud we become, how set we become about beliefs that are totally valueless. Yet we become so set in our ways. And, and I want to share with you that that's why, and we'll get into the celebration, so many people experience a powerless, empty, frustrating, day in and day out kind of life. Because, you see, what God wants to do is attack your brain. God wants to take His Word and transform your life by renewing your mind. And that's what it's all about. And so, you see, I, as a pastor at 33, I haven't arrived. I have an ever-expanding belief system that continually grows year after year after year. And one of the scariest things to me in my life is that I'll become like Proverbs, like Ecclesiastes says, an old king who thinks he knows all the answers. That scares me. Really scares me. I sort of live in holy fear of that. And doesn't, you know, and there have been things in my life. I look back now and think, I, I would have never done that before. You know, there are certain belief systems. I had a little group meeting in my home the other night, and, and uh, everybody in the room, um, both the husband and the wife, work, except for my wife and I. And um, we homeschool our kids. And I was sitting in the room finding that I needed to sit on my personal beliefs. And I didn't like the feeling. I didn't like that feeling. You know what? Because I wanted to stand up for what I think is the best. What I think is right. Isn't that how you feel? You know what I'm saying? You just want to say it so bad. And I really, I was sitting over in the corner. It was a good thing I was in the corner. And I was just letting this dialogue go on. We were talking about roles. We were talking about marriage. We were talking about how to make marriage successful. How to make family life successful. And I thought, you know, I've got all the answers. Don't they want to hear? And I thought, Mark, bite your lip, man. Just bite it. First of all, Mark, you don't have all the answers. And second of all, people just need to, you need to pick the right time maybe when you share certain things. You don't just take the Bible and lay it out to everybody and go, here it all is, so you better do it. You've got to know when to shut up and when to talk. See, that's been a hard lesson for me. And, and then there's been other belief systems that I've totally changed. I grew up a G-A-R-B Baptist. That is as conservative as you get. And also as legalistic as you get. I mean, it's really legalistic. I mean, I couldn't sing in that church probably with my hair the way it is now. Because when I was younger, I couldn't sing in the church because my hair touched my ears. Of course, I was a rebel then. I didn't care. And still don't. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that, hey, you know, I mean, 
Man, I tell you, you didn't play cards and you didn't dance and you didn't listen to rocky music and you know that guitar stuff and drums, that's from the devil, man. He owns that stuff, of course, you know, and he's the one who invented it all. And oh, don't we protect the stupidest beliefs? In the meantime, the world dies and goes to hell. All because of our stupid belief systems. But in our own life, how, and I've asked myself, Lord, what, I ask myself, well, what am I missing today, Lord? <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing. I already know what I'm experiencing. What am I missing? What needs to change in this old brain? What needs to change about Mark Darling? You know, I've thought about even teaching style and things I've done on Sunday morning that, you know, I, I, I really, I like to get political. I enjoy it. I love getting on a soapbox. I got a lot of issues that really get my passionate blood boiling. I've had to sit on all of them. I don't touch any of them on Sunday. Why? Because I let go of the belief system. But, but that really isn't important. You know what's important? Getting the Holy Spirit in people. And you know what happens? You know what's wonderful about the Holy Spirit? He's powerful. And He changes people. It's all Him changing. In the meantime, I have a lot more friends. People can get a lot more out of what I say. You know, it's kind of like halfway through I make some statement about blah, blah, blah. And that's all they hear. And they miss everything else. And I learned that the hard way. I thought, don't be an idiot, Mark. Don't be an idiot, man. Learn. 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 Better, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, is a poor prince who's willing to learn than an old king who's lost his hunger to learn. I would rather be impoverished. I'd rather just be struggling all my life but with a hunger to learn and learning and experiencing God and thinking I got it all together. Brother says, I want to just challenge you with that. I want to just ask you, what belief systems are you unwilling to change? Because really that's the issue. I want you to think about that. I want you to identify those things. I want you to say, Lord, this I have not been willing to embrace this belief system. Or what belief system maybe you haven't even studied your Bible, you haven't even been exposed to. You know, the, you see the Bible. I'll tell you a little secret about the Bible I've discovered in 14 years. I've discovered that I've not discovered enough. <laughs> I've discovered that its treasures are inexhaustible and that when I think I've just got a handle on something, God just hits me with this beautiful little gem that takes me about a quantum leaps. It's kind of like driving in Star Trek, you know, in the Enterprise. And you kind of think you're going really fast then Scotty or uh, Sulu or somebody punches light speed. And it's going to... <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you watch the new shows and you hit triple light speed, you know. And what you think you got at light speed, and then God takes you this quantum leap in your thinking. You know, for years, another thing that's interesting is how often we want research to prove what we think. You know, I, I, sometimes I can care less if research backs up what I think or not. Like, for example, I don't care if research says that people won't drive more than 10 minutes to church. I don't believe it. Because I believe that research is based on people who have gone to a boring, lifeless, stinking, miserable church. So yes, they won't drive 10 minutes. But just last week, I was reading this passage that said the Queen of the South drove, she didn't drive, she rode a camel, all the way, thousands of miles, to hear Solomon's wisdom. And it dawned on me, oh, I got a new belief system. God, of course, I thought this before, but this confirmed it. Hey, God, I believe we can advertise a 25-mile radius, 25-minute radius around Evergreen and pull people here. Why? Because we got it. Because we're doing it. Because Evergreen's an experience. It's not church. It's an experience that you feel when you come. This is so exciting. And then, Lord, once you drop from 25, maybe I'll believe for 35 and then 50. 
you see? Because God can do anything. God can do anything. If we're willing to allow our belief system to change, then God can work through that. See, that unlocks power. That, you see, um, and we're going to get into this. I'm kind of, I'm so excited. I can't already stand it. I, I wish we could just go all night and everyone here from the church was here and we go all night on this celebration topic because I see so many and I feel for you. Brother and sister, I want you to know something. I love every one of you, but I see an awful lot of anemic lives. Iron poor blood. I see an awful lot of rigidity. An awful lot of, oh, these are my belief systems. They don't go any farther than this. And I want so much to help you change that. I want so much as you experience God in a new way in 1990 that you never have in your life. Because you see, there is power available. You don't need a second blessing. You don't need a new baptism of the Spirit. you got all you need. The problem is your belief system. You must change the way you believe. And you must willingly do it. Say, God, I'm willing. Boy, I'll tell you, anything's game with me, God. What do you want? What do you want to say to me? Yes, Lord, I'll embrace that. See, give up the fight, brother and sister. That's what happens so often. We fight it. We fight it, don't we? We struggle against it. Why? Well, it's hard to give up our belief system. You know? I mean, I find, and, and I'll tell you, and we'll get into this later. I remember when I was, um, this has been about seven years ago. Some of you know this story. But I remember as a young Christian, well, I was a middle-aged Christian, but I had a lot of needs in my life. And I was thinking, Lord, I, I so desperately want change in my life. How do I get it? And of course, the standard way is read your Bible and pray, right? That's the standard way. Now, up to this point, I've never, maybe there has been millions of people who have done what I'm going to say. I do not claim to be the first. I'm just saying I didn't know of anybody. So I thought, well, Lord, you know what I need is I need some intravenous feeding. I need someone to talk to me like I talk to you all day. Someone enthused about what they believe. Someone with conviction. Someone who takes the Bible and makes it real to me because it's stale, God. I'm sorry, it's stale bread. And I'll admit it. I get in the Bible, don't do nothing for me. I don't understand it. I don't comprehend things. So I bought a little walkman and I bought eight tapes. And for a year solid, every day, I listened to those tapes. For 18 hours a week, I listened to those tapes. And at the end of a year, I added 18 more. I didn't know if anybody's ever done that. Now, maybe there's been millions of people done it. I just didn't know of anybody. And you know what? Taking that growth system that I'd never heard of before, but for me it was new, it was fresh, it was invigorating, it changed my life. Because it changed my belief system. See, I don't believe God loved me either. I just believe, well, God got me, and He sure got a wretch. And, uh, you know, praise God, I'm dying to go to heaven. But boy, is this a miserable, rotten life. I mean, you know, I was happier being a non-Christian. At least then I didn't feel so bad. At least then I didn't feel so pathetically miserable and guilt-ridden. Of course, I'm going to heaven, so praise God, I'm going to heaven. But boy, do I feel miserable. You know what I'm saying? It took me 365 days to change that belief system. But I was determined to change it. And I wanted it. So every day I just say, God, you love me. You love me, God. You're for me, God. I don't care if anybody else is for you. are for me. I don't care if I'm for me. You're for me. You're for me, God. So today I'm going to pretend you're for me. Whether I believe it or not, whether I feel like it or not, you're for me. You know? I don't care if anybody else likes me, God. You like me, so I like me. Isn't that neat? I'm a neat guy, God. Thanks a lot for making me, God. See? Oh, man, does that attack our belief systems. Well, anyway, I hope that you take time to think about this and please... Don't miss the celebration because these things can change your life forever. And they can set you on a growth pattern that will never stop.
adversity. They'll set you in a phase in life, in a mode in life, that will bring you one success after another, after another. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for our time tonight. And I just pray, oh God, that we'd be men and women who are always open to new and fresh ideas. God, how I pray that we would hunger for the Scriptures. Lord, I tell you, the Pharisees are really a constant reminder of people who thought they knew everything, but they knew nothing. And you know, God, sometimes I pride myself thinking I'm not like them. Yet, Lord, sometimes I'm so much like them that it's pathetic. It's so easy, Lord, to think we've got a handle on truth and you take it so much farther. You've got so much vibrant, so much wonderful thing for each individual in this room. And my prayer, Lord, is that they won't miss it. My prayer, Lord, is that you will give us the grace and the heart to say, God, do new things in my life. Do them today. God, do change any belief in my life that you want and I will embrace it with open arms if your word says it. Help us, Lord, to be innovative men and women. You could use millions of them, Lord. Millions of men and women who are willing to step out of the pack, who are willing to trust God, who are willing to try, and as, as the Star Trek theme so often, to boldly go where no one has ever gone before. Might we not fear that, Lord? I tell you, Lord, I long for that. I do not want to do what those before me have done. I want to do and experience something new. I believe this world and this country can be reached for Jesus Christ. And I believe we can experience you in our life like we've never dreamed. I don't believe, Lord, I've experienced God in my life nearly as what you have. I know that I'm not nearly like Christ as I'm going to be. And I want that so much. And I want it for each brother and sister here. I pray you bless each one, Lord. Encourage them. Encourage them in heart. In Jesus' name, amen.